Are you having trouble stopping the bleeding? Not feeling so fresh down there? Are you a decentralization purist, BTC Maxi, without much leverage protection? BTC Maxi Pads is what you have been looking for, offering three substantial layers of protection to help stop the redness. BTC Maxi Pads found at your local crypto maxi store. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the world according to Kyle podcast. You can find me on your various social media network platforms. YouTube, TWA2K, Twitter, Kyleverse, TikTok, Kyleverse, Instagram, KyleMax86, Reddit, TWA2K. If you have questions for the show or topics that you would like to see covered, slide into my one of my lovely DMs on said various social network platforms. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on all of your major uh, podcast platforms. I've just switched over to RSS, so you should be able to find me anywhere. If you can't find me on your major uh, podcast platform please let me know and i'm a fucking get on it catch me anywhere spreaker spotify apple iHeartRadio, google podcast Castbox, deezer podcast attic pod chaser geo savant just to name a few hope you're doing great and uh i hope you'll excuse um my uh my fake ad intro, but uh, I wanted to use it as a nice little uh, segue into the TWA2K favorite uh, segment. A TWA2K fan favorite. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Tales from the Crypt. Oh! Yes, sir. We are gonna kick off this TWA2K talking some crypto and um you know maybe BTC maxi pads will stop your bleeding but they won't stop Michael Saylor's face from uh being very red and uh you know I don't know about you but anytime I see anybody with a uh overly red face um I, I haven't, let, let's just put it this way. I haven't seen anybody with a very uh, red hue to them that wasn't a, a um, alcoholic. So, you know, um, and considering um, MicroStrategy, which is Michael Saylor's um, uh, company, considering Mike, Michael Saylor's uh, track record... Um, I'm not surprised he's um, degenerated into a life of alcoholism while he, you know, um, tries to get a sense of escapism from, you know, losing people a shit ton of money during the dot-com era and now losing people a shit ton of money telling them to sell their houses to buy Bitcoin at uh, 65k US. Not the greatest uh, investment advice, as uh, you know, 
as we're uh, looking at things right now, at least. Um, and I would feel a little bit bad, um, you know, kind of rubbing it in. But I don't. You know, uh, these uh, Bitcoin maximalists have just been kind of calling my coins shitty and uh, the stuff that I like crappy simply because um, it doesn't fit their version of decentralization uh, and they feel like they're the only game in town but uh, you know I'm feeling pretty good you know actually I'm feeling fucking great you know Bitcoin lost you know, at one point uh, in the past 14 days Bitcoin lost $20,000 Canadian and the coin which I recommended uh, XRP has only lost like about 10 cents Canadian and you know while I'm not happy that things have um, taken a turn for the red honestly it's been a little relieving seeing these uh, BTC idiots just shut the fuck up for a minute you know all this Bitcoin is the only coin you'll ever need. Uh, uh, invest in Bitcoin. Uh, uh, Bitcoin is uh, is uh, a hedge against inflation and uh, is is the only crypto you need to invest in. Well, uh, I disagree vehemently, um, and uh, that is what I've been telling you. Uh, folks and I hope you've been listening to my advice because you know I might be a little bit in the red but at least uh, you know these um, Bitcoin uh, maximalists these uh, uh, Bitcoin purists these crypto purists who think that um, that not um, having crypto centralized in some regard and regulated in uh, in some regard is like some sort of uh, act of uh, blasphemy heresy against um, the crypto community as a whole is a real detriment and you know what this has been a uh, long time coming and um, I'm actually a little bit um, a little disappointed that like my coins aren't really dipping a whole lot like uh, this is just, in my opinion, a a like one of these um, decoupling events where we are going to start to see uh, other players in the game, in the crypto game, start to uh, step up. And you know what? I've got no intention on uh, on selling right now, and I'm down like. Um, Let's say I'm down like fifty percent on my uh, on my investment. I literally selling is the last thing that uh, that is on my mind at the moment. And a lot of these people I know in the crypto community were telling you to um, buy short term uh, flips instead of these long term hodls. And XRP is a long term hodl because we're waiting for the adoption of ISO. 2022 standards and because we know that's going to be the future and a lot of people um disregarded that position because you're missing out on a lot of gains well 
Where are your gains now? What are you doing right now? Oh, you have a lot of leverage into um, coins that are not going to be utilized in the future and you have to wait for a bull run just to be able to back out of those positions. And um, this is kind of like a best case scenario for um, my assets and for what I'm holding. I actually was leveraged like 25% uh, into, into um, like uh, I, I had a little bit of hedge value in the fact that BTC uh, would um wouldn't run so i you know i have my you know long-term asset holds i have my long-term asset holds which uh you know i was gonna be hodling for the future but i also had um you know had some short-term short-term uh protection some btc um in case btc ran i had some pro btc coins that would have done that would have done uh, well had BTC decided to run, but that wasn't the case. And now my position, our position, hopefully, if you've been following the advice of the world according to Kyle, um, shout out to myself. Me, <laughs> uh, hopefully, you've been tailing us because we are in such a fucking good position for the end of this lawsuit, for the resolution of this case and i cannot wait i'm really just hoping that um by the time this thursday comes around by the time uh because what happens at my work is that we uh our our company pays out our vacation bonus on the last uh last paycheck of june and i get paid bi-weekly so my last paycheck of june is going to be this coming thursday and so I've taken no vacation uh, for this year. So I I took two sick days, two paid sick days, which uh, uh, we got uh, thanks to Trudeau from the COVID thing, and um, which they federal federally legalized it. They took that out of, out since our uh, since COVID uh, re uh, restrictions were getting loosened. But our company decided to keep these. Um, these the paid sick days so i took two paid sick days that was it and i took no vacation so uh i'm gonna be getting a nice little chunk of cash and that's four percent of my earnings are uh our our vacation pay so i'm gonna be getting a nice chunk of cash i'm really hoping either the current level of dippage uh holds or that uh, you know uh, we dip dip here, <laughs> and uh, I am gonna be buying the fuck out of some crypto because am I worried? Are we worried here? Are we worried with TWA2K? No, we are not at all. Um, you know, Bitcoin lost like 20k, XRP lost fucking 10 cents, uh, Canadian. This is just one of those things where it's a sign of what is slowly going to start to have happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, I'm not completely out on Bitcoin. Um, 
I'm out on environmentally damaging things. Uh, I'm out on, but I mean, can Bitcoin become a, um, you know, uh, store of value? Like they said, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a utility coin. Um, can it maintain its decentralization? Yes. Do I think that's really important? Not really. I mean, um, decentralization has kind of been fucking crypto recently when we've seen lots of things like the uh, Luna crash and now Celsius uh, with their uh, situation where and I have um, I have uh, crypto on Celsius which is uh, earning yield and so I get this email. So Celsius is a network where you store your crypto and it gives you a percentage back based on what crypto you're storing. And so I was, uh, and so I have some crypto on there and all of a sudden I get an email from Celsius saying um, withdraws have been paused and swaps have been paused from the Celsius network. So I guess that if they would have, if Bitcoin would have lost another 10% that Celsius would have, uh, would have had to, um, like would have essentially been insolvent and, uh, bankrupt. So, I mean, I'm glad they're taking their actions to, um, ensure that they do not do that. Okay. But I mean, so they're, uh, keeping up giving, their um, yield so each Sunday you get a little bit of yield from Celsius and percentage based on uh, what crypto you're holding now that yield is continuing and we are uh, we keep getting our yield but I would rather have less of a yield and be able to cash out my shit right now and put it on a ledger and honestly this is my fault for not putting my shit on cold storage. I've been warned about this for fucking ever for, and not all of my assets are not, uh, a, a, a like a nice chunk is, but, um, I've been warned about this for a while that fucking shit is going to start to hit the fan and, uh, you want to be careful <clears throat> where you have your money stored <clears throat> be Excuse me. Oh, and you want to be careful, like where you have your money stored, because um, because like when all this, uh, all these things start to happen, and when the price gets lower, what we're starting to see is uh, who's um, which cryptos are dependent on a like high BTC value in which, uh, in which cryptos or networks can, um, can, uh, still stay around regardless of the, of BTC's value. And hopefully like this would be a really, uh, a real, real dick punch to, um, the DeFi, uh, crypto world. If, uh, if Celsius goes under, I mean, I'm glad they're taking the right steps and they're pausing and they're and they're kind of um, they're they're taking the right steps to protect the investors. But I don't know where this can go. And honestly, um, 
you know, I uh, pay attention to the AMAs, and Celsius seems like a more um, a more legit company than like you know if. I've never invested in Terra Luna, but I could imagine like they're not doing AMAs every week and they're not, uh, and, and you know, they, uh, they don't care if they screw over the, the customers and then run. So, you know, hopefully, uh, Celsius, uh, you know, gets back up and running and, uh, and they took the right steps to prevent them going bankrupt. But, I mean, this is ridiculous. Just not allowing, um, not allowing people to have access to uh, to their own money. And you know, this is kind of a dark uh, era. This is a uh, this is a dark time for crypto. But you know, when there's blood in the streets, I want to buy. And I and I cannot wait until my vacation pay comes and. Uh, I am going to be buy, buy, buy. Like, I'm fucking, like, uh, you know, a slightly more uh, gangster version of uh, the gangster member of the NSYNC. <laughs> buy, 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 I will be when, uh, when my pay hits. And um, I don't really know uh, exactly what I'm going to do. It will depend a lot on, uh, on the pricing but uh, I want to top up on a few positions. Um, I'm gonna buy more quant. That is something that uh, that I think is uh, I will have to do. I think quant is gonna be the future of um, because there's not. Uh, I think as we're seeing things play out more and more, um, we are gonna we are gonna need more interoperability and quant is the king of interoperability and uh i do not see the future playing out where there is just one or two crypto assets um the amount of liquidity that the world needs to uh operate like global money transfers and remittances and uh smart contracts and like and everything is uh is more than uh any one crypto can provide so i think we're gonna i i think quant is gonna be a giant and uh i'm really gonna look to beef up my quant positions uh with my vacay pay also gonna look to top up on xrp i'm gonna look to um get a little bit more casper inside of uh my portfolio beef up my casper and uh what else? I think that's it. Maybe a little bit of uh, Hedera, but uh, I think that's kind of going to be my approach to uh, to slam down. And like, I, look, like me, am I? I'm in a great position. I'm not even considering selling. I'm no way. I'm selling. I am DCA, dollar cost averaging, right now because I never thought things would get this low. If I thought things would get this low, I would have just held on to my money and fucking like bought all now. But um, you know, uh, if I could have, if you could have told me, if you would have told me bef like before that uh, crypto was, you know, gonna be under one trillion uh, U.S. at some point in the near future, and um, and uh, you know the market would be reeling, uh, 
you know, after, you know, we're out of COVID, I would have said, oh, hey, then I'll save all my money for then. But that's why you don't buy slam everything down right away, because you got to wait and see how time evolves and uh, how uh, and where time takes a market. And you buy, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there and kind of, you know, try and time buys in a, uh, in a way that uh, lowers your uh, dollar cost average. And you know what else is really fucking annoying me is that when I go on like these um, the uh, these crypto um, you know the crypto um, uh, trackers and uh, how they uh, track like the market cap and shit. Um, What's annoying me is that why are stable coins included in this? Like, why is um, why why are stable coins in the top ten of uh, of these uh, of crypto assets? Like, so um, when I open up and see the top ten crypto assets, I have ten here, but three of them are USDT, USDC. In uh, BUSD, like stable coins and um, and wrapped coins are not uh, are not technically um, should not technically count towards like uh, market cap ranking. Like for instance, right now, number one BTC, two ETH, three USDT, four USDC. 5 BNB, 6 BUSD, 7 ADA, 8 XRP, 9 SOL, and 10 DOT. But you should take away the USDT, USDC, and the uh, and uh, BUSD because those are all stable coins. Those are not, uh, those are just, um, those are just, you know, ways to transfer money. So, uh, I would think that, you know, that the 11, 12, and 13 Doge, DAI, and TRX, DAI, and uh, Tron would, uh, should be technically the top 10 coins. Um, and another one, which is 14, is wrapped Bitcoin. I do not think wrapped coins should be, should count towards the, uh, the, technical or the legal top 10 uh technical top 10 of uh market cap rankings even though they do have that market cap uh rankings but stable coins are just a transfer coin they're a way to they're a way to transfer uh you know cash to crypto and they are just a um a bridge between your um your uh cash assets and your crypto now um crypto is an asset not a security but icos are the selling of a security token which you can do so you can get your token off the ground but you'll have to eventually pay a fine for it now you know with this whole lawsuit with XRP is that XRP never ICO'd. XRP never had a uh, a initial coin offering, okay? And 
right now we are just waiting for this fucking stupid case to end and i it's weird because i forget who's suing who again like i keep forgetting like uh i keep thinking that uh the sec has sued ripple but everything else points to the contrary so clearly i can't be uh correct and uh it's like mr gensler gary um you know you can still save face now you still have a moment like right now um uh, attorney solomon uh who might be the michael jordan of lawyers is like dunking all over these um these uh you know um people these uh legal these lawyers that you have uh that you're throwing out uh, <laughs> throwing out to the fire uh, to just get brutalized by him. I mean, he put every brain working on behalf of the SEC into a fucking blender. He had them arguing that Hinman was a client and his speech was meant to give uh, market guidance, which, uh, uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, he, he, he had them completely talking in circles, like, like complete morons and we have uh fucking dogs on our sides and uh i could not be any happier you know i could have chased some short-term profits and i personally thought that the markets would be uh running a lot better than they are right now but they're not and uh so i'm glad i held long term and um you know most people thought btc would run but you know, most people are fucking stupid. And, you know, you're allowed to be stupid just as long as uh, you uh, don't think your opinion is worth spreading, uh, which is fine. Uh, you know, you're allowed to be dumb and express your opinion. That's not against the law. Now, one of my more... Um, one of my more uh, contrary coins that I'm invested in that is not quite that does not match my um, hyper utility portfolio is SafeMoon, and I just wanted to um, kind of offer a little bit of a better explanation as to uh, why I'm invested in in SafeMoon. Now, um, so. <clears throat> SafeMoon initially was a tokenomics coin that was gonna like you know try and uh, try and get people money by um, burn burning and uh, giving out reflections. Now they kind of changed their strategy and they want to be a uh, utility coin also. Now you know SafeMoon has taken a hit uh, since this pivot, but. I have seen promise in SafeMoon, and um, now I wanted to show to you. So SafeMoon wants to create an exchange, they want to create a blockchain, and they want to create a swap. Now, if they do everything that they say they're going to do, and uh, they um, and they create this exchange in the, their own separate blockchain and they seem like they got really uh smart really good people working for them so 
let me break it down for you why I feel like uh, why I feel like Safe Moon is worth the risk. So, um, if you are holding one million Safe Moon tokens, and they, uh, you know, let's say they become an a, an exchange and a po- a popular exchange, and uh, which I mean. Since SafeMoon started releasing stuff, they've looked good. Like their products have looked good. I downloaded the SafeMoon wallet and uh, I transferred uh, my SafeMoon there, and I've loved it. The functionality of it, everything that they've uh, that they've delivered on, has been really good and has been really uh, has been really solid. They um, um, they recently uh, transferred their uh, swap and uh, liquefy to uh, swap and evolve, which uh, is uh, helping increase the price of Safe Moon by transferring it instead of uh, cashing it to be or swapping to BNB. They're swapping to Safe Moon and uh, providing more um, uh, uh, more of a price price bump in safe moon since this transition uh of their uh in to swap and evolve now um so here's an example if you have it's let let's say safe moon comes out with an exchange and they do a modest daily volume of one billion on average so if you had one million safe moon tokens if you had 1 million SafeMoon tokens and they do an average daily volume of 1 billion, uh, 1 billion in volume, which is reasonable, which is attainable to do, uh, to do that much in volume. So what you will be getting um, on a daily uh, on a daily basis, if you have 1 million SafeMoon, is you will be getting $80 in reflections. 80 US dollars in reflections from 1 uh, million safe moon tokens. Your weekly reflections would be $560 weekly US dollars with 1 billion in daily volume if you if you have 1 million safe moon tokens. And your annual reflections $29,120 if you hold 1 million safe moon tokens and you know, and they have a uh, uh, and they have an uh, an exchange and are doing one billion in vol- in uh, volume. Now, come on, that is so. Safe Moon, I feel, is kind of kind of made a pivot and is kind of trying to do to um, become like a more green and eco friendly, and instead of relying on pure tokenomics, they're trying to create a uh product a utility coin and a utility product which uh which will serve as an exchange as a separate blockchain and um i feel that that is worth the gamble uh that that is worth the gamble and that is my only coin which is super kind of like uh i've had friends of mine call it um a shit coin I do not feel that. I do not feel that Safe Moon is uh, a shit coin. Obviously, um, and the thing is, I'm I bought in at a low enough price where DCAing um, 
isn't really gonna do a lot. I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind holding it. I don't mind. Um, I don't mind hodling. Uh, and uh, that is what I'm banking on. I'm banking on them holding through with their promises and them um, uh, them creating an exchange in a, their own blockchain. And after that, I think like things will will really start to take off. And it's worth the risk to uh, to hold Safe Moon in hopes that uh, that these things will come about. Now, guys, listen, we are not going to be in this sort of recessionary position forever. So get your buying in now while you can. When there's when there's blood in the streets, you have to be buying. And that is why I hold long term positions, because in case shit hits a fan right now, I got stuff that I'm going to be um lowering my dca with okay i'm gonna be looking to um boost up my positions and boost up my bags and all these if you are if you are at all worried about uh this um crash uh you know you're not invested in the right cryptos you're invested in short-term flips and i'm compl- i you know i you know maybe i'm a little bit worried that sh- that shit will like hit hit the fan but i mean in crypto will completely collapse but no not really i mean that's not the sentiment we're getting from like the rhetoric from the government and from everything that uh i think we've seen uh is that crypto is here to stay and um and uh it will it will help the uh, speed and the movement of money uh, across the globe. And, um, you know, that's exactly the majority of my investments. The majority of my investments are going to help global settlements, uh, settlement uh, settlement of transactions globally. And uh, in case you're wondering how much that could be, I've asked people who are skeptical on crypto, how much do you think that the uh, like uh, uh, global uh, settlements are on a yearly basis? And they don't even come close to the number that it is. They can't even think of the number that it is because it's so egregiously high that you wouldn't even think to guess that this much money mo- moves and settles across uh, the globe. It's to like over two quadrillion dollars like it's like something like 2.4 quadrillion dollars uh is used for uh global payment settlements now right now we uh how it operates with uh, escrow and fiat is that so inside of each country their central bank has money from every single other country inside of it to cover these global payments so you know whether you're in india or china or uh, canada or america each of these central banks has money uh from each other has each of the other countries money inside of it as reserve as reserve to cover these uh these settlements uh, to settle these payments and mm, what crypto does and what specifically xrp does is that 
it settles transactions instantaneously and so it doesn't rely on you having to have all these um all these uh all these different um fiats inside of your central bank so that's what we're invested in we're invested in the future we're uh we're giving up uh, on any potential short-term gains in order to make sure that five years down the road maximum that we have the type of stuff that uh, that is going to still stick around. All right, so that's it for crypto. Let's move on to uh, some different segments. And because uh, there's more to life than just, you know, making money, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Now, um, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, um, transsexualism, and uh, there's been a lot of hatred uh, towards the uh, the trans community, uh, mostly bigotry. Um, and um, now, there's this, uh, what was it, Matt Gates, this guy who goes around and, uh, you know, tries to, you know, um, own people on... Um, what is a woman um and try and like catch people off guard uh by asking them what is a woman when they when they know and he knows that um it is kind of a hot button issue that uh you know uh people identifying as women and not wanting to upset them now um I feel like I would do really good if he, I want him to uh, ask me this question because uh, if he asked me this question, uh, I would say um, there are three uh, explanations. So there, um, so one is a genetic biological woman. Now that is what your uh, doctor would ask if your doctor was, uh, you know. If you had some sort of issue uh, with you uh, with your plumbing, let's say down there, and uh, your doctor specifically uh, needs to know your um, uh, uh, genetic makeup, and your biology. Okay. Now, I think that um, there's another explanation. Also, there's a second explanation, and there's uh, if somebody feels like a woman then they are a woman and that's okay to say that uh that uh they're a woman if uh you know if a man uh ha has more uh feminine traits and is more uh feminine in thinking and uh j despite the fact that uh they are um they their sex is a uh man that they cannot uh that they can serve a uh, gender role as a woman and that's fine and if as long as you're not hurting anybody what the fuck do i care this isn't deteriorating society such a low percentage of uh people uh identify as trans and it's really just not a big deal like i've met trans people before and as long as you're not hurting anybody what is the um what is the harm in a guy who dresses as 
dresses more like uh, who uh, uh, wears dresses, like a guy who wears dresses or heels and does and does makeup and just has a different uh, mentality about life. As long as it's not harming me, then I truly don't give a shit. Um, and now there's so that was the two two uh, explanations on what is a woman. So uh, one, what is a woman? One, uh, a uh, genetic biological woman. Number two, uh, what is a woman? Someone who feels like a woman. If you feel like a woman, if you have feminine traits and you want to identify as a woman, okay, you are. Uh, then uh, you want to say you're a woman, fine. Now, here is the third uh, one. And this is the one that every conservative male who hates trans people is on the low-key worried about. Now, the, this is... Um, this is the uh, this is the one that that is the low key fear of every uh, uh, of every conservative male. Now, every conservative male, why they if they're not just doing it to pick on somebody, if they're not just doing it uh, to be a hateful fuck, because that um, seems to be what uh, what conservatives are best at, uh, what they uh, seem to love doing. Uh, so what the what every conservative male is worried about and because i say this because you know i'm a i'm a am i'm a center right leaning male and i'm kind of worried about this and i'm low key a little worried about this is since these uh um medical procedures are getting such where it's harder to uh determine if somebody is a male or female, if somebody's getting, uh, if somebody's getting hormone replacements uh, from a very early age, and uh, and they look very female, and but I mean, I am just a straight guy who um, wants to have sex with uh, women, with straight women. So, you know, I. Uh, if somebody was like was let let's say uh, you know I go home with somebody and all of a sudden figure out you know they're presenting themselves as a woman but they you know they were a guy who transitioned into a woman I would have a problem with that and uh, I guarantee you that's kind of what's in the back of these uh, of these uh, conservative guys' minds is like oh. You know, what if I get drunk and then, you know, fool around with, you know, someone that has a penis and then all of a sudden I'm gay. Now, that's not exactly what I'm worried about, but I think it is, um, I would say, I think it's a form of rape to um, not uh, identify yourself uh, as your... Um, as you're like to say like if you're a guy who has transitioned into a woman to not make sure that uh, uh, a guy is comfortable or cool with that 
uh, because, you know, that's something that not all guys would be cool with. And I'm not cool with it. I, I'm not, I would not want to, uh, and it's not a form of discrimination. It's just a preference of mine. Everybody has a preference of what they want and uh, in a relationship. And I feel like uh, to say if a, if a guy who is transitioned into a woman says, is a woman and you know somebody is drunk and you know i am able to tell but say if you're shit face drunk and somebody lies and says they're a woman and and uh, you go home with them and you're and you know you find a fucking wang uh then that's gonna then you know th- I, I i think if i had to say that if there was like a legitimate reason that uh, a right winger or a conservative has to uh to this issue that um that that would be it that I, I i would think like that is kind of a form of rape if like a uh if a uh if a guy who has transitioned or a girl who has transitioned um uh identifies themselves as what they had transitioned to and does not specify that it was a transition that it is a form of uh misrepresenting who you are and it is kind of a a, a form of uh, uh of rape if you take advantage of somebody's uh drunkenness or ignorance and uh it, you know and use it to your advantage sexually uh and use it to exploit them uh and, and you say you're a woman and you're not uh then you know that's kind of in the in the back of the the deep fucking recesses of my mind but there's never really for me like there's never really been a situation where i have been like oh yeah like you know i don't know if that's if that's a woman or a man because i'm attracted to you know uh feet effeminate feminine women who you know project femininity and usually and you know it's fine that other people aren't that you want to uh that uh that you know you can be uh a little um bisexual or like sexually open uh to that or uh open to that on a love or relationship basis that's fine it's just you also have to respect um you you also have to respect my uh uh my view where i don't i don't want that i want a uh biological woman and not uh, and i'm not and i don't necessarily think that and i don't want to be with someone who has transitioned and uh but if it stops like uh i don't think we should be so uh you know hard in blaming trans uh, people who are transsexual i don't have anything wrong with anybody who's transsexual as long as they respect my preference as long as they respect my preference and I respect theirs, and I don't think, uh, and I don't think we should discriminate. They're certainly not um, to blame for all of the world's problems. That's for sure. The fact that trans people exist is uh, is actually helping things and helping suicide rates and uh, allowing people to just genuinely be who they are and not submit to these uh, preconceived gender roles. There are a lot of guys who are, you know. Uh, more effeminate a lot of girls who are more masculine and uh, I think just the um, 
the deconstruction of the social norms is the uh, is the good thing, and it's and it's a good thing to uh, to have people uh, live out to their authentic uh, being and be who they want to be. Now, the other um, kind of um, uh, contentious point. Um, with the trans community and I want to bring this up because I think I can solve it is the trans sports issue now I'm not just gonna say oh yeah like a fucking a beefed up guy who just transitioned can compete against uh, girls who are biologically weaker than him now I think that is one point that um that the people who are bigots are pretending to wrap their bigotry around to make it seem um, less hateful. Now, they're able to do this because it is a legitimate point. And um, I want to solve this once and for all. I have a solution for us to be able to uh, address address this, uh, this hot-button issue. Now... How I would solve uh, transports is have a uh, have a unisex league or have a sexless league where there uh, is all genders and anybody uh, invited, so that there's no distinction of uh, sexuality. So there's there's uh, you know there's there's you know men's basketball, there's women's basketball, and there's uh, multisex basketball where there's women's and men's basketball and then that way there's kind of everybody is invited and you can kind of set up your own um your own league dynamics or your own uh uh uh, sport dynamics based on uh unisex principles and or multi-sex uh principles and i think that is the way forward where you know, it's kind of similar to um, it's kind of similar to the bathroom situation where you have a male bathroom, you have a female bathroom, and then you have whatever bathroom where you or any where anybody can use it and or anyone can uh, play in it. And I think that is uh, I think that is the way forward. That that I mean, I don't think it's right that you know. I think it's a knock against uh, feminism, and it's a knock against women's rights to, you know, for like me to say, oh, I'm a woman now, and then go and like you know beat up on women in <laughs> in like uh, you know a football league or something. Like I just don't like you know uh, somebody who's a biological born male has you know a. Uh, a biological advantage over females so the the way you fix this is by having an open multi-sex uh multi-sex sports league so you have men's leagues you have women league and you have uh like multi-sex leagues that is how you solve the trans sports problem so i'm not simply pointing out as you know i'm trying to nitpick something that's wrong i'm actually trying to think of solutions and this isn't a way to highbrow i just feel like not much of 
like the extreme bad is coming from transsexuals like i mean uh you know you see a lot like worse grooming and a lot like a lot more rapes and a lot more uh sexual misconduct from like you know church clergy people than you do from the transsexual community so uh, in my mind if uh, you're not if i'm not willing to um to uh th say that you know the catholic church is a problem then i shouldn't say in the same in the same mouth that uh, transsexuals are a problem when there is less of a problem with uh, with these issues than there are with the Catholic Church. So I mean, with it, which is a much more established and uh, relevant organized organization, whereas like you know, less than one percent of uh, people um, identify as uh, transsexuals. So just a little bit of, um, you know, ammo for you guys to, uh, you know, to, f to uh, fight back against this uh, when bigotry is uh, masquerading itself as, um, as uh, you know, some sort of uh, contrary opinion to uh, the woke, uh, <laughs> woke mob, apparently, which... Um, I am in, which I didn't know. Um, so here's what you got to do with the whole like woke thing. So if you, uh, if someone is calling you woke, so when you can just substitute woke for anti-discrimination. So, you know, when someone is saying, oh, you're part of the woke mob, then uh, what they're essentially saying is you're part of an anti-discrimination mob, which is like, cool yeah i don't like to discriminate against people if you like to discriminate against people then you're a fucking fascist so uh fuck you <laughs> now moving on to the next uh section first of all um congrats to the dubs uh the golden state warriors uh winning their sixth team champion chip their fourth curry's fourth uh championship and um what an unexpected one it was and uh i'm having a lots of uh debates with people about uh the greatness of steph curry and i feel like he is not getting enough credit for as great as he is and some people clap back at me against this, but I do not think, name one player now or ever that could have won a championship with Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, uh, Porter, Wiggins, and uh, Poole. Now, no disrespect to those guys. Those guys were all great and all had a great role in this uh, Warriors run, but... Who could have won with that? LeBron could not have won with that sort of supporting cast. KD by himself would not have won with that supporting cast without Curry. Could Giannis have won with that with with Thompson, Green, Porter, Wiggins, and Poole? No. Curry is the only player that could have won with those sets of guys. Curry is somebody who is playing basketball to its um it's like if uh you know 
the best guy in the paint when two pointers are are what mattered the most. Like he is uh he is the most proficient at the thing which is the uh the determining factor in whether your team wins on a game to game basis or not. The three point shot. He is so uh he's so better than than the average at three-point shooting. He is so levels above anybody at three-point shooting, which is the deter- usually the determining factor in what wins and loses games. So how is he not the greatest player in the NBA right now? How is he not the, the, the greatest player uh, you know in the past 10 years in the NBA right now? You tell me because I can't think of it. I can't think of it. And um, he plays the game, and he's proficient in the thing that is the that in basketball, being a team sport where everybody needs to have a role. It's like you know before when there was not a uh, three point line that having a guy who was dominating in the paint was the best possible uh, way to win your championship. So why Wilt Chamberlain was so dominant? In his age, in in his era, was because he was the most dominant man in the paint, and at getting layups, and at getting contact, and at uh, at, at at doing these hooks, and at, at at close range shots. Because that was what the game, uh, that was what the game emphasized, and that was the uh, what put you above and beyond was having that in the paint game. Now, Steph Curry, now that we have transitioned to a game where three-pointers are, uh, what, are what puts you above and beyond, and he is the best three-point shooter that has ever lived, period. And I loved Ray Allen. I love me some Ray Allen. And I loved me some fucking, uh, uh, you know... Um, Oh, so fuck. What's the other what's the other guy's name for Pacers? Reggie Miller. And I love me some Reggie Miller, man. But they were spot up shooters. Steph can create a shot from everywhere. He moves around like a motherfucker and he fucking can and he can spot up from any he can, you know, he can just shoot on the run and he can hit layups and he's got a mid-range game and like he can pass. Like he is the complete package and and he can shoot from literally anywhere on the court. He is like the, you know, him and his shooting is like being the Wilt Chamberlain of uh, of this day. Where he, you know, he is so good at the thing that is, you know, that puts you above, that puts you noticeably above every other player. Where he is just super efficiently good at the uh thing that makes um that makes people really good in basketball and in an era where three pointers are um are the most uh having steady three point shooting is more of an asset to teams than anything else can be you cannot deny curry's greatness and he just cemented his legacy 
and honestly, he is on equal footing with LeBron, and uh, and, and he and he is uh, he is uh, equal equal to to him because because he is that important. And if you look at basketball and being a team sport and players playing their role, he is the most dominant player in playing his role than anybody else in the NBA. And if you want to say, uh, if you want to throw out, you know, other names, that's fine. But for him to do what he've, he has done and won as many championships as he has, the Golden State Warriors with anybody else would not have won, uh, would have won maybe one championship. He is the epitome of greatness and he is a, he is a top 10 ever player in the NBA. Now, there's a couple other NBA uh, debates that I wanted to uh, go around. Now, there's the uh, Rosillo debate, where Rosillo says that, uh, Ryan Rosillo says, suggests that uh, three-pointers are ruining the NBA. Now, I have a... Uh, I have a, a contention with this uh, with this suggestion. I think that uh, layups are ruining the NBA. I think that where we're getting it wrong is that three pointers are valued correctly. Three pointers are valued correctly. Jump shots are valued correctly. Free throws are not valued correctly, and layups are valued are not valued correctly. A layup is very easy to do. You go to the bucket and let's think about let's think about it in terms of what is the hardest to do. Now, what is what is hard to do? Is it hard to go up to the rim and uh, kiss the ball inside of the uh, key and fucking have it tip in? That's not hard to do. It's very easy to do. It is a lot harder to make a free throw from like what 13 feet away than it is from fucking 15 feet away than it is to get a layup from one foot or two feet away is it not am i crazy i mean of course it depends on uh you know the defender there but getting a kiss off the glass is worth two points but if someone slaps you and you go to the line, that this is the whole hack-a-shack premise. And this is why that is fucking stupid. Is that a free throw should be one shot for two points. And if you nail it, you get two points. It shouldn't be one for one and, and worth one point each. It, and I'm just talking about, I don't even care if we keep basketball the same way in the best interest of the flow of the game and that's fine by me but if we're if we're gonna say three-pointers ryan rosillo suggests that three-pointers are ruining the game and that we're only seeing blowouts and that we're only seeing uh you know wins by 10 plus or more and that it's killing these close games well i don't look to the two-pointers i think i look to why it's two points to get an easy kiss off the glass now let's say uh let's okay let me 
postulate this to you. Let me uh, suggest this to you. Let's say we had a uh, thing where jump shots are harder to make than uh, layups, correct? So let's say that uh, if uh, instead of taking it to the glass, you step back and make a jump shot. That is worth two points. Anything outside the key that is not a layup, that is a jump shot, is worth two points. Anything that is a layup is worth one point. And the three-point line stays exactly the same. The three-point line stays exactly the same because it is the mathematical uh, correct uh, distance to justify um, shooting it. The reason why it works so good uh, and why Steph Curry is the greatest player on the planet because he's the best three-point shooter. He's the best, uh, the best asset at getting the most points in uh, in a you know in a half court. In which and, and essentially that's what it is is inside of the half court that there's three points and there's two points. And he's the best at getting the most valuable shots, better than anybody else ever was and ever is. And I don't think anybody will be better than him. And I can say this because that was kind of my uh, what I would what I uh, I want to say I was even good at it. But I mean that is how I played basketball: is that I was a uh, that that I was a three point shooter. So I can understand how hard it is to uh to be as good as as steph is and be able to create a shot from beyond the arc and on the move like he can i cannot even fathom how uh how you know how much hard work has gone into that but if we're just looking at it in the terms of um what is easiest and what is the hardest to do why are we not looking why are we not looking at layups as being too easy and too well rewarded as opposed to uh, as opposed to three pointers being worth too much? That's kind of my point of contention with the with the Ryan Rosillo debate in that uh, you know maybe the flow of the game just works better that way and I can accept that. but I mean I don't think, uh, three pointers should be worth two, just to um, just to uh, help it so that there's no blowouts. I mean, maybe we should have like a four point line or a five point line, and then after half court, that's six. And then uh, you know when you're at when you're beyond seventy five percent of the full court, then that's ten. Why not do that? Why not have everything uh, quantitatively valued uh, based on the difficulty that it is to make the shot? Why not have that? Why say that you know, you know, uh, you know, dunking a fucking uh, dunking a ball, which is just a, a easy take to the net, which is just an undefended, you know, easy take to the net, where you're not getting a charge. Why is that worth two points instead of one? You tell me that, and then I'll tell you why. Uh, then I'll tell you why three pointers are worth more than two. And I have a lot more evidence in my court. <laughs> now the other point of contention with uh, with the NBA 
which is a uh, debate that um, Bill Burr has brought up, is uh, the officials. And that the officials are having too much control over the game. But that's kind of how, uh, in my view, is officiating in the NBA, it's not like as rigid. It's more like painting a picture. Like, and this is what we have to get away with with officiating. In my mind, if, uh, if computers and AI was responsible for officiating, it would be far better off. Instead of, you know, that's why the LeBron era has kind of taken off is because LeBron is like the best whiner in the NBA and that he fucking cries. He hit me and that he cries the best. And then that's why, you know, he he's kind of the greatest player because the refs will always give him the benefit of the doubt because they know he's going to fucking cry the loudest. That is kind of what, that is the bad part of the NBA, where people are always whining over, you know, you don't call fouls. But, I mean, unless there's, like, a way to definitively uh, decide on what is a foul and what's not, it's almost like the referee has to kind of uh, paint a picture. And, like, you know, it's, it's never going to be exactly fair and we kind of accept that and there's a little bit of give and take and there's makeup calls and not makeup calls and i feel like the nfl doesn't uh operate like this and that the nfl can be more rigid but in basketball it's such a uh snapshot judgment it's such like a spur of the moment uh judgment did he slap him enough did he not to affect the shot um and you know okay how much is his team up uh, uh on the other team do i let this go do i not i think it's, it's a very um it's a very snapshot uh judgment and it's a lot more open to interpretation than say uh football uh football is or baseball or or something that uh, that uh, uh, that is like that, and so the dilemma with the NBA is that you got to figure out how to um, how to perfect these calls without slowing down the pace of the game. And until it gets like that, then you know it will be the like the ref is just kind of an artist, <laughs> you know, painting a portrait of a. Uh, 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 you know of fouls and blocks and reach-ins and charges and trying to you know balance it out you know somewhat uh you know somewhat fairly and on top of that i think charges are often uh are often um uh overlooked and i you know for like and i think like it happens a lot more than in the word they'll just okay so if a if somebody crashes into somebody and uh, it's either a charge or a foul. So you see so many times where a, a, a player gets knocked down and uh, it's not called a charge or a foul. And where it's just like, you know, flagged off and the guy gets the layup. But, you know, one guy smashed to the floor. Either he had his feet set or he didn't. And so either it's a charge or, uh, or it's a foul. So either the guy, uh, either the guy was running into him, with the other guy has feet set outside of the key, with his charge, or the guy was moving his feet, and he didn't have his feet set, and it was a foul because it's a blocking foul. So which is it? I mean, you can't have a a guy smash into another guy, 
have the defender flying, and it's not a foul call. And in my mind, it's a foul. It, that is a foul. You just have to decide on who it's on. So, I think those are the things that are uh, that are kind of taking away from the uh, NBA, and that where people are. Uh, you know, the referees are almost like painting a picture instead of like objectively calling a game. And so, you know, to cap it off, you know, shout out to uh, to the Bay, to fucking Golden State Warriors and winning their fourth championship. All respect to fucking the greatest, the greatest right now, the greatest shooter ever. And a fucking a, a top 10 player of all time, Steph Curry. Let's cop, cap it off there. I feel like it's been a great episode. We will catch you again on the next one. But until then, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, that was the World According to Kyle podcast. Have a good one, everybody.